Sometimes it feels like that's all you have to give is a hallelujah, a praise the Lord. Friends, and that's enough. I hope you know that's enough. That Not only is that enough, that's the best thing you could ever give to the Father is a praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So friends, I just invite you today as we talk, as we worship, as we process, what do we bring to the Lord? Because I'm letting you know right now, all he wants is your heart, a heart crying out, hallelujah, praise the Lord. So Father, use this time, instruct us, encourage our hearts, build up your body your people. Let us be overwhelmed by your presence. Holy Spirit, you are here. Have your way. Continue to move all the barriers and obstacles so that we may be a body moved as one in the Spirit. We love you, and boy, do we need you. It's in your name that all God's people say, amen. You can take your seats. Praise God. Praise God. The front row got it. The front row was the only row. I see you, Julian. Praise God. Hey, everybody. My name's John. Um, I'm one of the pastors here. I get the privilege of being able to lead this incredible ministry. Um, today is Super Bowl Sunday. Do you know that? It's Super Sunday. Some, nobody is excited about that. Not a single person. They're like, I don't care. I don't care. That's, that's true because I know you. I know there's some Chiefs fans here. I know you've been keeping that on the DL. I won't out you, but I know there's some people here that have been rooting for the Chiefs, and some of them are because they came from Kansas City, but that's cool. We love you. Uh, are you, are you, are you going to watch the game at all? You know, so, some of you, right? Like, you're going to watch it, right? Uh, I'm excited to watch it. Some of you I know are excited to watch the game today. Y'all been, like, texting me and sending me pictures, like, on Facebook Messenger. Like, a few of you, not just one, a few of you sent me this one. Listen, I'm just saying, my head is on a swivel today, okay? At any moment, if I see somebody running towards me with Gatorade, I mean, I'll embrace it, but y'all are getting wet too. I'm just letting you know. If they come with Gatorade, front row, getting wet, all right? I love it. You should be excited about church as you are. I mean, they said it. I didn't. I was, it was fun that they sent it to me. I, I appreciated that. Um, Listen, uh, I, I think that you should. I'm saying this. Your pastor is saying, hey, watch the Super Bowl. I don't want you to miss it because a certain team may not be in it. Uh, because if you miss the Super Bowl, I'm telling you, you're going to miss Jesus. All right? I mean that. Uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out this video. When something big is happening, a movement, a moment, a mission that could change the world, you want to be ready. You want to learn everything you can. And right now, something big is happening. He Gets Us is a multi-year national campaign to raise the respect and relevance of Jesus in our culture. It's starting conversations. It's grabbing attention and changing minds. It's all over Twitter, in Times Square, on billboards and in stadiums. And on February 12th, you'll see it on the biggest stage in America. You'll see Jesus in the Super Bowl. The conversation is starting. Are you ready for it?
So yeah, go ahead. Like yeah, it was exciting. I heard you. I said you said woof. He's like woof. <laughs> she had a little woof of the spirit. Like yeah, I'm excited. Uh, there's gonna be two commercials uh, that are blatantly about Jesus, openly talking about Jesus and, and what he's all about. Uh, uh, the first commercial is gonna come between like the the break between the first and second quarter, and the second commercial is gonna come in the first break of the fir- fourth quarter. And uh, this is what's fun. One of the commercials is uh, talking all about becoming childlike. How about that? Isn't that funny? It's like we just talked about that. That's interesting. Like, so uh, the commercial's like not, not becoming childlike, not just in our faith, but in how we love and relate to one another. And the other commercial is about how we handle confrontation and disagreements and how not to do it with anger, but with forgiveness and God's confounding Love. Anybody ever have some conflicts? Everybody having some disagreements, right? Like, like, and like humanly, we know how to respond. We got that on lockdown. Uh, but like, man, to, to respond with God's confounding. I looked up confounding because I'm like simple because I was like, what's that mean? And like, it's confusing how confounding. Um, like, it, it, I couldn't find a better word than confounding, once you know what confounding means. It doesn't make sense. It's almost irresponsible, it's confusing, it, it's, it, it's, it's almost reckless. God's confounding love, that that's what he leads us to and says, hey, when you have conflict, you should lead like that. These commercials, I don't know if you know or not, but they're all part of like a national campaign. It's developed by Christian leaders and pastors and organizations that invested $100 million to elevate the name of Jesus across the nation, right? To get people into the conversation about Jesus, who he is and what he is all about. So tune in, watch the, watch the Super Bowl, check out these commercials, engage in the Jesus conversation. Can you do that? Thank you. Amen. Uh, so today, a uh, conversation for today is a little unique. Uh, when our teaching team got together and we were looking at the sermon calendar, we kind of looked at the calendar and like we look at what are we going to talk about throughout the year. And, and we said, hey, what if throughout the year we just hit the pause button on whatever it is we're talking about? Uh, let's create some margin intentionally in the year and just hit pause. Like we could be in the middle of a plan in the middle of a whatever, but we're just going to hit pause and whoever's teaching that week, we're just going to go, Jesus, uh, give me some fresh bread. All right. Anybody like fresh bread? Y'all, come on. Y'all need to wake up. Come on. My soul. Like, like, like fresh bread. I love bread. Now don't get me started. We're like some worn bread from like, um, I know it's, but Outback has some good bread with that butter. They don't play it around, all right? Uh, I love fresh bread. Growing up, my mom used to make this cinnamon bread uh, that was just like, you know, and it's like, I'm talking like, you know, like with yeast, and you got to let it rest for a while, then it rises, and then like, then you put it in the oven, like this whole, the whole deal. My mom's actually visiting next week, and so say hi to my mom. Um, and I literally text her, and I was like, hey, mama, when you come down to Cincinnati, can you make me some of that cinnamon bread? <laughs> It's good. Like, it, I'm telling you, this cinnamon bread, it's like uh, just heaven on a plate. It's manna. It's just fresh from heaven. Uh, I love fresh bread. Well, anyway, this, this idea of fresh bread, it, it doesn't come from my nonsense. It comes from Jesus' words in John 6. It says, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. 
So our team was like, all right, well, what if we just hit pause and whatever plan we're talking about or whatever conversation, and we just say, uh, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And we serve up that fresh bread. Well, today is our first fresh bread of the year, all right? So uh, today, uh, I'm going to share something that uh, this week, I was just saying, Jesus, I need some fresh bread. Uh, I hope it's better than my mom's cinnamon bread, and that's a tall order. Uh, So it's God's word, so I believe it will be. Um, And this week, Jesus took me to uh, one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. It's going to be Acts chapter 16, if you want to follow along on your Bible or on your phone, whatever you use. Um, This is a story, if you don't know, the book of Acts is written by whom? Who is it? Luke, yes, well done, class. We're going to have lots of questions. Uh, So uh, Luke, uh, it's written by Luke, and in Acts 16, we find that Luke and and some other knuckleheads uh, by a guy like Apostle Paul, if you ever heard of him, I'm sure like he is in heaven right now going, did you just call me a knucklehead? (laughs) But he would say it too. He uh, he called himself the chief sinner, actually, is what he said. So uh, Paul, Luke, Silas, Timothy, they're on a missionary journey. They're, they're going throughout Macedonia, Greece, and, uh, and they're sharing Jesus' teachings. All right, this is what they're doing. This is Acts 16, verse 16. It says this. It says, one day, uh, we were going down to the place of prayer. And maybe some of you do that. Maybe, maybe you could go someplace to pray, right? So that's what they're doing. They're going to some place where they pray. And they met a demon-possessed girl, a slave girl. And she was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. And so so a slave girl enslaved by some masters to make them money. Uh, This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. And this went on and on, day after day, until Paul had enough of it. He got so exacerbated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly the demon left her. And her masters, the slave girl's masters, hopes of wealth are now shattered, right? And and so they grabbed Paul and Silas. They dragged them before the authorities. and, And the whole city is now in an uproar because of these Jews, they said. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. And then a mob of people quickly turned and formed against Paul and Silas and and the city officials. They ordered that Paul and Silas should be stripped and beaten with wooden rods and says they were severely beaten. And you guys are like, why is this one of your favorites? (laughs) And they were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison and the the jailer was ordered to to, to make sure they didn't escape. And so the jailer put them into like the inner, inner dungeon cell and clamped their feet in the stocks. And around midnight, everybody say midnight. Around midnight, Paul and Silas We're praying and singing hymns to God because that's what you do at midnight in prison. (laughs) And it says the other prisoners were listening and suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and, and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And the jailer, he woke up to see that the prison doors were wide open and, and he assumed that, that there was a prison break, right? And so he drew his sword to kill himself. But, the, but Paul shouted to him, hey, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. 
We're, we're all here. We didn't go anywhere. And the jailer, he called for the lights and he ran to the dungeon and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And, and then he brought them out and he asked Paul and Silas, said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and everyone in your household. And so they shared the word of the Lord with him and, and with all who lived in his household. And, and even at that hour of the night, the jailer, he cared for them and he washed their wounds and, and he brought them in, in, in his household and everybody in the household was immediately baptized. And he brought them into the house and he, and he set a meal before them and the entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. <laughs> There's so much, so much incredible beauty and truth and grace and compassion and power in this story. Uh, like Paul and his squad, right? Uh, like, man, you should have a squad. You should have some friends that you do life with, some people that are he's just like, man, that's my brother or sister in Christ. And so Paul, he's got these brothers in Christ, and they're heading out for some morning prayer, and, and, and you know, they're accosted by a demon-possessed slave girl, you know, just a typical Wednesday. And, and, like, and this slave girl, like this demon possession, like just keeps harassing Paul, and so Paul finally has enough, and he's like, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out, right? Just so you know, there, there, there is power in the name of Jesus, right? There's power in the, just in the name of Jesus. This is enough. You can end the story right there. That's enough. A whole girl's reality was just changed. She has been set free by the name of Jesus. And I wonder today if there's someone who needs to be set free by the name of Jesus. That freedom can be found in Christ. And so this girl's reality has completely changed. She's rescued from like a trafficking ring. You know, and so they're about to get on with their day, right? Just another Wednesday for their disciples of Jesus. They're about to get on with their day, and all of a sudden, then they're grabbed. A mob forms. People turn against them. They're dragged in front of a judge. They're stripped naked. They're beaten to a pulp. And then for good measure, they're put in chains and stocks and thrown into prison. Not a typical Wednesday. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever been stripped. I didn't say if you've ever stripped. Put your hand down, Dale. That's weird, man. No, man, all are welcome here, whatever your thing is, right? You ever been stripped? Stripped of your pride? Stripped of your self-worth? Stripped of your dignity? Stripped of your identity? I wonder if there's anybody that maybe, uh, maybe stripped wasn't your thing. Maybe uh, anybody here who's ever had people turn against you. All of a sudden you feel like attacked or overwhelmed and you're not sure like who, who you can turn to. Is there anyone here who's ever been beaten down? Maybe, maybe beaten down by life or beaten down from oppression or discouragement, or rejection, or, or failure, or mistakes from your past. Okay, so maybe you can relate to Paul and Silas sitting in that prison cell, turned on, stripped, beaten, 
in chains. And see what happens next in the story is crazy. Right? Here's these two guys thrown into a prison cell, you know, dirty, damp. They're chained up. They're stripped. They're beaten. They're bloody. They're black and blue. It's dark. It's cold. It's going on midnight. And Paul's lying there, right? He's, Paul, Paul, man, he's like a perfectionist. He's still got some ego things working out, like, because he's like the best of the best. And he's like trying to figure out how do we get here? What, how do we get out of this? What do we do? Like, I'm supposed to be leading these guys. I got Timothy with me, and he's my apprentice. And I'm now I'm showing him, like, oh man, I'm messing up, like, plenty of things he could be thinking about, right? And he's over here. How are we going to figure this out? Right? He, he's over here on this side of the cell playing the situation over and over again in his mind. Maybe, maybe I didn't say the words right. Maybe I need to proclaim it a little differently. Or maybe he's sitting there thinking like, oh man, like well, maybe, maybe prison ministry is now my thing. Like, <laughs> like, I, like I, he's over here, right? But then Silas, right, all of a sudden, like he hears Silas over on the other side and Silas, Silas is over here and he's like, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And Paul's over here like, what are you doing? Shut up, Silas. <laughs> it's midnight. Why, why are you like singing, man? We got to try to figure this out. We don't, we don't know how long we're going to be in here, right? I'm tired. It's cold. I'm naked. Like, why, why are we in the, like, right? And Silas isn't hearing us, right? I once was lost, but now I see, right? You, you ever been in that place where you ever feel like you were lost? Anybody? Don't lie. Don't lie in the house of the Lord. <laughs> I love it. My friend right here who is not 19 years old, um, he's the first one to raise his hand because when you learn a little bit about life and you've spent a few times going around the block of life, you're the first one to know certain things, right? You know better. Like, yep, yep, I've been lost. I once was lost. But now am found, was blind. Got any blind people? Can't see with God's eyes. But now eyes. And Paul's over here like, man, stop it, right? And Silas is like, hey, come on, Paul. Come on, man. F go finish it out. You know this song. You know, come on, Paul. This is made up, like, this is a made up narrative in my, in, right? You know that, right? Like, so, so we're, we're taking a creative license right now, okay? All of you folks that are like, I don't think that's in the Bible, John. <laughs> Hang in there. Right? Silas is like, come on, Paul. And Paul's like, man, it's cold. I ain't doing it. Trying to get some sleep. I'm going to bed. I can't, can't even roll around, right? Because his feet are in stocks, right? Hands in chains. Can't get a good night's sleep because he got a crazy man next to him singing. The heck, man. And Silas is like, come on, Paul. And Paul, finally. lost. But no found. Was blind. But now I see. Right, some y'all ever praise like that? Don't you lie. 
I see some of y'all sometimes. You like, I don't feel like praising God right now. I'm praising God. I don't care how many times they tell me to lift up my song. You got a lion inside of me. You got a lion inside of you. I ain't singing no song. I ain't praising God. Right? Come, come on. We're here to be honest. And finally, it says, they come together and they both worship and they finish strong, right? And then it said, all the prisoners are watching them, right? And then they raise, they're chained up hands in the air, right? And in my mind, I just hear like Paul and Silas just like, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior's ransom me. And like a flood, his mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Praise God. Praising God in the middle of a prison, locked up, beaten, naked, stripped, turned on. Praising God. They're like, what happens next in the story, right? Like, like it's Paul and Silas, they have this impromptu worship session, right? At midnight, nonetheless, right? Verse 25, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas, they're singing and praising hymns to God and, and the other prisoners are listening and, and suddenly there's a massive earthquake and the, and the prison is shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately fling open and the chains of every prisoner fall off. Our praise has the power to break chains. <laughs> praise God. Like Paul and Silas, listen, they chose, they could have chose a lot of things they chose a perspective of praise. They could have looked at things a lot differently. They chose a perspective of praise. Regardless of the situation or circumstance that we find ourselves in, we have a choice of how will we respond. It's not a question of whether or not life is gonna suck sometimes. Can I get an amen? It's a question, I hear you, sir. It's a question of how will we respond when life sucks? Do you know that your praise has the power to break, shake the foundation of whatever is currently holding you captive? And a lot of things can get you locked up. Trust me, I know. Lots of things can, can get us in bondage or get us chained up. Lots of things can imprison us. Maybe not brick and mortar, bars and cell type of prison, but there's prisons uh, of the mind. There's prisons uh, of addiction and prisons of temptation and prisons of past mistakes. Prisons of doubt or fear or depression or anxiety or insecurity of anger and resentment. Prisons of regret, prisons of lies. 
Friends, there are some of you that are holding on to 10, 20-year-old lies that have altered your perspective on life. Lies that have stunted your growth, your growth in Christ, your growth as a human being. It stunted your potential. Lies that have stolen your joy and lies that have shaped who you think you are. Lies like that they were planted somewhere along the way that said you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes and you're less than and you'll always be less than. Somebody imprinted that down into the wet cement of your heart, right? And those lies take root. Lies then twist the mistakes of your past. And you've all got a mistake. We've all made some decisions we wish we could take back. And lies and the enemy distorts those and deceives us and twists those lies and says that mistake now defines you. That mistake, that abortion. That affair. That divorce. That one night stand. That picture that you sent that you wish you could take back. The enemy he twists that and says, because of that, you will never be forgiven. Friends, the lies end today. Amen? Listen, because in Christ you are forgiven. You need to hear this. In Christ you are forgiven. It is done. You are forgiven. You do have purpose. You do matter. I don't care what they said. I don't care what they're saying. You do matter. You are worthy. You are beautiful. You are made in God's image. You are a masterpiece. You're a game changer and a difference maker for the king. You are sons and daughters of the king. You are royalty, holy, chosen, set free. He is for you. He is not against you. He's got a plan for you, plans to prosper. Not plans are like, well, this is just as good as it gets. This is just melancholy. Melancholy is not in his vocabulary. Lukewarm is not in his vocabulary. It is plans for abundant life. He has a plan for you and he will continue it. He will continue the good work that he started in you. Plans for you to live out the dream that he planted in your heart. Some of you are locked in the prison cell of your mind and it's time for a prison break. Whatever prison that you're currently like held captive in, whatever chains are currently holding you back and holding you down, your praise has the power to break your chains. Listen, your praise will either break your chains or your chains will break your praise. I wonder why you have such a hard time praising God. I don't understand it. We, we do Bible things. and what the, the Bible says, let everything that has breath give praise. <laughs> I wonder if there's some chains that are holding you back, maybe some chains of religion, chains of hurt. Think about this. I, I was going down a rabbit hole. Like, what if our peace, because we all long for peace, right? Oh, give me that peace that surpasses all understanding. Oh, give me that peace, right? What if our peace 
is in correlation to our praise. Try it. Try, I mean, just try it out. I mean, and if it doesn't work, cool, cool, right? What if you could elevate your peace by elevating your praise? Try it out. What's it gonna hurt you? I love today's Bible verse. If you were checking on like a, the Bible app, right? If, if you do the Bible app thing, and, and what's what, today's verse, right? I love the first word, obviously. <laughs> Paul, Paul's got some smack, right? After he'd been in prison a few times, he, he, got a little, he got a little something, he got some swag. He got a little shank in his back pocket, right? Like, he's like, obviously, I'm not in this to please people. His words, but I'm in this to please God. I'm raising my hands and praising God because he's the one that can only do something about the situation that I'm in. Your opinion cannot. So I'm praising God with everything I have because I let everything that has breath give praise. Amen? Amen. Your praise will either break your chains or your chains will break your praise. It all comes down to perspective, right? It's a game changer. Perspective is a game changer. This... uh, this is a fun day for me, uh, this whole weekend. Uh, yesterday was my birthday, so hey. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, golf clap. That was lovely. Uh, thank you for the birthday wishes on Facebook. That was fun. I couldn't, I couldn't keep up. That was fun. And the text messages. Uh, if you did not send in your gift, you can find me on Venmo. That's fine. It's <laughs> ridiculous. I was, I was a part of this church, true story. Um, I was part of this church that um, for the pastor's birthday, they would take up a love offering. I was like, yo, can we bring that back? <laughs> right now, ushers, uh, we're going to come forward right now, and we're going to take up a love offering for the pastor and his birthday. Like, I don't even know where to put that theologically. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, take care of, I could, I could maybe get there, betting in some scripture. I, I don't know. That was, but, you know, at my birthday. Well, as you can hear, I got a little something going on. I don't normally have this raspy voice. If, if this is your first time here, like, why does he talk like he's on, like, a late-night talk show and, like, like a radio show, smoking 12 packs a day? I don't know. A week ago, right after service, it's probably because I was jumping up and down on the stage at last Sunday, right? Um, I was so nervous, first service last Sunday, that I was about to trip here and I was going to fall into you guys, but I didn't. I made it. I cleared it. I still have hops. I'm 45 years old and I still got hops. I, I, right after service last week, I started feeling bad. You know, I was like, oh, man, I can feel it coming. I started getting sick and all that stuff. And so six days later, I end up going to the doctor and I'm talking to the doctor. And, and true story, like I'm not going to name names, all right? I really want to. You know I want to. I'm not going to. I'm never going to this doctor again. Um, I, I went to the doctor and I said, look, I'm sick. Like, here's the deal. Like, I, I'm, like I'm 45. Like, I, I've been around the block. I know what's coming. I got, like, a bacteria thing. I'm telling you, like, I need a, I need a Z-pack. Let's go. Come on, give it to me. Give me the good stuff. Give me the drugs, okay? And she was like, well, I mean, you know, we'll do some tests. And so they did the nasal swab thing, right? You know, negative for A, negative for B, negative for COVID, all that stuff, right? And I'm like, that's fine. I still got something. And so I kid you not, this was the prescription. Well, to help you with sleeping, you could warm up some whiskey and honey. (laughs) 
a hot toddy. I'm not kidding. I'm like, I'm not sure that my insurance is going to cover this visit. I'm like, that is your paid medical advice? A hot toddy? And if you're watching, God bless you. But the hot toddy didn't work, okay? So like two days later, I'm like still coughing up all this junk. And I call him in like, hey, I'm still sick. I got this stuff coming. Like, what do you got? And well, you know, I could, I could call you in like a Z-Pack. <laughs> you couldn't have done that two days ago? Like, right? So, so here I am lying in bed. I, I was off the whole week working from bed. In my, like, and nobody wanted to be near me. My family abandoned me. They didn't want the black plague that I had. And so I'm like in isolation in my cell. And I'm lying in bed going, are you kidding me? It's my birthday and I'm sick. Again, because I was sick last year at this time. I'm letting you know from now on, I'll be in Florida in February. I'm going to take a month off. So I'm lying in bed and I'm just frustrated. I'm like, come on, God. Like, come on. Like, it's my birthday. I got plans. I got, I got a whole weekend of stuff. Like, like I'm halfway to death or life, however you want to look at it. Like, I need to celebrate this weekend. Like, come on, God. Like, I, I'm supposed to preach the word of God this Sunday. I thought you were going to protect me. You got to protect me. And like, I started going down this little path of pity, right? Like, why, God? Why, why, why are you doing this to me, God? And so in the middle of my pity party prison cell, y'all ever been to that prison cell? Little pity party? Pity party prison cell? Why God? I didn't name you. (laughs) You just know it's real. (laughs) In the middle of my pity party prison cell, God gave me perspective. So I did. I started praising God, and I started praying. I said, God, I, I, I just need you. Like, I just need you. I'll, I'll, I'll do my due diligence. I, I called up Reed. I was like, hey, Reed, you may have to be up this Sunday. Like, I'm sorry for the short notice, but you may have to be up. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Canceled some plans. Like, I'm, I'm, all right, I'm going to take care of myself. But, God, I, I need you. Like, I'm, I'm a little confused, God. I'm confused, God. Like, just, just, just why right now, God? There's so much going on, God. Why right now would you, like, a week, man? That's like a year in my life. Like, wow. And, like, so he then teleported me back in a way that only God can do to a birthday about 20 years ago where I was celebrating by going out and drinking and doing more drugs than any human should ever do. And I remember going to bed that night with a gun under my pillow and a machete in my left hand, terrified in a prison cell of paranoia that at any moment a pimp or a drug dealer or both were coming through that door. And that was my reality 20 years ago.
Friends, I'm letting you know that any day you don't go to bed holding a machete is a good day. (laughs) It's a good day. Some of y'all are like trying to figure out, is that a made-up story? (laughs) I'll let you figure that out. Perspective. I can handle a little cold. So I pulled myself out of the pity party. A pity party perspective turned into a perspective of praise. And I started to praise God and I thank God for delivering me from where I was. I thank God for giving me a second chance. I thank God for redeeming my story and giving me another year on this earth. Like I don't know what prison that you may be trapped in right now, machete or no machete. But I want to invite you to choose a perspective of praise. Because I promise you, if you are sitting here today or watching online, I promise you, things could be worse. (laughs) If you've got breath in your lungs, there's still more that he wants to do in and through you. Amen? Amen. See, you can either choose to let your praise break your chains or let your chains break your praise. Friends, I don't need to know the details of your life. I don't need to know all the gory stuff and all the like the stuff that you're walking through, wrestling through. I know enough to know this, that you've already been through too much in your life, but you've made it through. The fact that you're sitting here listening, you've made it through. That means God has brought you through something. That means God must have been doing something. He must have carried you through. He must have kept you alive. Friends, we've been delivered. We've been set free. We have been protected from too much to not give him all the praise and all the glory that he deserves. Amen? Like he's done too much for us to come into a house of worship, to come in here and give God our little golf clap praise. Like, that's good, God. That's nice, God. Show me anywhere in the Bible where it says that. I mean it. I'll meet you for coffee. We can do an exegesis, hermeneutics all day long for 12 hours. Show me it. I'm I'm just not really that into. Let everything that has breath give praise. Praise him with what? Noise. Praise him with shouting. Praise him with a heart. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. I don't hear the... God, Good. In the middle of being stripped, beaten, chained up, locked up, Paul and Silas, they started singing to God, (laughs) praising God. Friends, in the midst of whatever it is you're going through, I want to encourage you to give praise to the only one who can do something about your situation. The enemy may have deceived you into thinking that you're locked in a cell, but it's not a cell. Friends, it's a sanctuary. You can praise God wherever you are, whatever it is you're going through. It's a choice. Paul and Silas, they didn't have to praise God. Notice that they didn't wait to praise God till after the miracle of the doors opening and the chains falling. They praised God before the miracle. Come on. 
They praised him because he is worthy to be praised. Like, I don't know about you, but I want to spend the rest of this year, the rest of my years, praising God for the miracles that already happened, the miracle of another day. Amen. You're not promised another. Who said you were promised another day? I'm praising God for another day, another year, the miracle of breath. Come on, somebody. The miracle of new life, the miracle of resurrection, the miracle of restoration, the miracle of redemption. We don't need to wait to give him praise. He's already done enough. He's already done enough. I know we're all waiting through stuff. We're all going through stuff. But friends, we can worship in the wait, right? We can praise him for the next miracle in the making, right? We may not like what we're going through, but friends, we're not going through it alone. We may not like what we're going through, but I'm pretty sure nobody's in here holding on to a machete fearing for their life. We may not like what we're going through, but we can choose to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and persistent in prayer. And I'm going to add in praise. Friends, whatever it is you're going through, your perspective will determine whether you view your situation as a cell or a sanctuary. See, when we choose a perspective of praise, not only will our chains fall off, but it causes a chain reaction. Go back to the text. After the chains fall off of Paul and Cyrus, right? After they have their little worship session at midnight, they're not like, Jericho, can you bring up that coffee? <coughs> no. Somebody needs to pray. <laughs> I could say like the enemy's trying to get me down right now, but <clears throat> what's interesting, yeah, or water. Um, what's interesting is like when the chains fall off, they don't say that was cool. What a great worship service. And then they went to Cracker Barrel. And they talked about whether or not they got anything out of the message or they played their favorite song. <clears throat> That's not what they did, right? <laughs> it says that they saw the jailer, a Roman officer who's a mess, right? He's about to kill himself. A, a, a Roman, the same Roman that... that Stripped them, beat them, thank you. Coffee water, very good coffee water. Oh, it's only the best, that's good. The same Romans that just beat them earlier that day, these guys go to them and say, hey, let me tell you about a God of grace. Let me tell you about a God of forgiveness. It says the jailer woke up and the prison doors were open and they, he, he assumed that the prisoner had escaped and he, and he drew his sword and he's about to kill himself. And Paul and Silas say, stop, don't kill yourself. We're, we're all here. 
and, and the jailer is like, clearly something supernatural has gone on. Clearly these believers, uh, they must be onto something. And he says, sirs, what, what must I do to be saved? And, and, and they, they don't say, well, and then some expletive and say, you're the one who beat us. We're not gonna, he says, listen, all you gotta do is believe in the Lord and you will be saved. Not only is the jailer then saved, right? But this guy like takes him to his house. Remember it's midnight. So spouses, think about this. If your husband brings somebody to your house at midnight, some strangers that are naked and they're like, honey, can you make some food and get some Neosporin? That's a different sermon about caring for your wife and boundaries. But um, it says like, right? It says everybody in the household was saved, was baptized. See, friends, when others see you praise God in the middle of your storm, it can cause a chain reaction for their lives. Praise God. Whatever it is you're going through, I promise you, you are not alone. I promise you that God will make a way through this. I know these seasons of challenge can feel like a life sentence that can last forever. I know waiting through these seasons is hard, but friends, don't waste the waiting. While you're waiting, while you're in your cell, while you're waiting, he's still working. Worship in the waiting. Psalm 40 says this, is I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me. We have a God who turns to us, who hears us, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of mud, out of the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground and he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing a hymn of praise to our God. Friends, don't waste the wait. When it's not God's time, you can't force it. When it is God's time, you can't stop it. We don't get to decide how long, like you have to wait for God to break the chains, but we do get to decide how we will wait, how we will endure how we will push through. So I choose and I invite you to choose a perspective of praise. Father, I come before you right now on behalf of your church. This week you gave me a picture of a sleepy bride. And so Father, awaken us from our slumber. Open our eyes. Renew and restore and stoke the fire that lives deep inside us. Let us not settle for lukewarm Stir in us a new song 
Move in your body. Move in your spirit. Let it permeate among us and through us and in us that we are compelled to praise with everything that we have. That we give you all the praise and all the glory. That we give you all the love that we got with everything we got. And we give that to our neighbor with our eyes fixed on you. Fill us with your breath. Let us use that breath to give you praise and bring you glory. It's in your name that all God's people said, amen. I invite you to stand as we praise.